1: but we'll retire by the time we select our ideal location. We will be speaking to folks from across the street to across the globe who have moved to the dream venues and more. So please stay tuned. And remember, if you know anyone who has moved anywhere for retirement, let us know.
0: Thank you. Hi, all. Today, Jean and I will not be presenting a regular session on a retirement destination. Even better, we are thrilled to have a special guest discuss where that special place could be for you and how we can go about finding it. Our guest is Ryan Frederick, founder and CEO of HERE, as in Retire Here, but our show is Retire There, so don't forget that and don't go looking for Retire Here, Formally known as Smart Living 360, an expert in healthy aging with over 15 years in the field as an investor, executive, board member, real estate developer, strategy consultant, author, and creator of a variety of healthy aging courses. He has advised organizations internationally, ranging from Fortune 500 companies to global institutional investors, to leading health systems, to housing developers and operators. He's even lived in a senior living community when he was in his 20s. That's
1: an amazing story. Yeah. yeah,
0: Ryan was born in Vienna, Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C. And from elementary school through high school, he grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area near Stanford University. He studied electrical engineering at Princeton and graduated from Stanford Business School. Ryan is passionate about the intersection of place and healthy longevity. His book, Right Place, Right Time, The Ultimate Guide to Choosing a Home for the Second Half of Life, has been an Amazon new release bestseller. The book helps empty nesters, free retirees, and retirees make sound decisions about where to live to thrive in an often increasingly long life. Having relocated from Baltimore, Maryland about three years ago, Ryan now lives in Austin, Texas with his wife and his three high school children. So, Ryan, welcome to our podcast. I could see that we already have some things in common. I was a mechanical engineer, and so we've got that logical piece that's always struggling, right, with the other side. Gene and I reviewed your book. Well, he actually read the entire book and then summarized parts to me. And we both did the right place, right time assessment, which our audience can find at smartliving.com. 360com which we will include all this and the website in the show notes. Interestingly, our results, Gene and I, but not surprising, came out differently. And we're not sure if that's good or bad. It appears that they were in different areas and we're going to have to kind of work on those areas where we didn't score so high. <laughs> but I know what I'll, I'll tell you right now, where i didn't do well where i got a 25 was in physical well-being in physical <laughs> well-being what a shock see i couldn't even find that right now <laughs> but that's been a struggle my entire life so i don't know that i'll uh i'll get to fix that we'll see okay ryan thank you for allowing us to really pick your mind today we want to start with the big question does your wife agree with your methodology and you move from Baltimore to Austin was that choice a compromise or something else?
2: This is great. We're we're getting juicy right from the beginning. (laughs) There we go. I should expect that from the retire there podcast. Oh yeah, (laughs) getting juicy. You know, great question. And you know, you you mentioned earlier your background uh, as a mechanical engineer, and and mine is electrical engineer. So there's, I've got a pretty strong logical sense. And my wife, she's uh, she's a politics major, and so (laughs) she's. She comes at it from a little bit more, you know, the emotional side, I would say. And when it works well, we get the best of both worlds. You know, I think for big decisions like like the one that we went through, and by the way, while your podcast, of course, is focused on retire there, this decision about place is relevant in in every life stage. It's like, how do you think about where you want to be and to what extent you then become a bit sculpted Mm. by the environment that you're part of? Yeah. Uh, We'll put that aside. Uh, We'll come back to that, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. But uh, to answer your question, so we uh, were in Baltimore for nine years, really close friends, loved our neighborhood. But a number of things happened with my, uh, my practice, with the level of consulting that I've been doing, it became much more national and international. And so as a result, it was difficult, for example, from the East Coast to be able to help organizations on the West Coast, and so the idea of being in the middle of the country was significant um, for travel purposes, even even time zone with with phone calls, and and, and later late, we later found out Zoom calls, you know, was important. <laughs> and we have family out in California, both our parents are there, and, and so we want to be make it easier to go see them. But I think we'd reached a point, particularly for my wife, where being farther away from family was more challenging, and then. The idea of being in a place that, how should I say this, has more kind of positive momentum behind it was a, a factor. And so I would say that we wouldn't have scored the same. I didn't, hadn't created this exercise at that point, <laughs> um, but it definitely influenced the exercise, but we weren't diametrically opposed either. And I think, and and we also had a factor with our kids and what was the best environment for, for them too. And and so we had some concerns there in our prior environment, but it was a process, right? Like it is. and And I think oftentimes when we think about significant changes, like a potential relocation, if it's not just us, if we have a partner or spouse, so on, it's this level of complexity is greater because we have to navigate these decisions together. So in our situation, there was some compromise for sure, but I think it's ultimately a decision that we're we're grateful for individually and collectively, but probably not the last place-based decisions that we're going to be going through. And you know, some of it, I mean, we have in our house we're in now, we we, we bought a house, remodeled it. We're still trying to put up pictures and art in different places. (laughs) So we've have some differences opinion on that that we haven't fully resolved so these uh, place-based decisions—they are, uh, to some degree, they're endless. But they're not always. Some are are, are bigger, you know, decisions than others. And and uh, in a way, those those that, that dynamic can bring people closer together, can also push you further apart, you know, depending on what happens. Mm. One other element to this, and I this come out this come up in several conversations recently with individuals, is that, and I mentioned this a bit in my book, Right Place, Right Time. That there's a tendency when there's a difference of opinion to have inertia take over. (laughs) And and when that happens, you know, that's a challenge because that that itself is a decision. Like the decision to do nothing is a decision, oh. and so that piece is is an important dynamic to talk about because sometimes if there's a you know if there you're a bit of an impasse you're still making a decision and that uh, you know I'm not in the marriage counseling business certainly not qualified but I was some of say these you things, sound like my
0: therapist yeah yeah exactly <laughs> I mean
2: some of these things could fit into that category so okay. yes okay. yes we we follow inadvertently we followed some of the the framework and it, it largely works well for us
0: okay so, so. Austin. was- was basically where your wife's family or? No, California. Families on
2: the West Coast. Families oh, on the West both Coast. Both of so, you. Okay. Yeah. So this was a way to be closer, direct mm. flight, closer time zone, uh, and so on. But uh, but yet, yeah, would still work well with with my work.
1: Okay. Okay. Can you tell us a little about the five categories of a Life360 survey? I also scored 25 in one of the areas. That was place. But I, I really wasn't surprised because I, I probably never really wanted to live around here, even though know, I grew up around here in, <laughs> in, in the New York, New York City area. So can you tell us a little about those five areas?
2: Yeah. So I, um, my fundamental thesis in this is that place where you live is a foundational decision that drives your day-to-day lived experience and therefore really influences your healthy longevity. And we often think about it in terms of just the physical elements of our four walls, or in some cases, as a financial instrument. Oh, how much is my health worth? But it's a lot more than that. And when you look at the research around healthy longevity, which the framework I use largely leans on some of the work that Gallup Healthways has done with their uh, their Healthy uh, Index. But the way they framed it, it's around purpose. Do you have a purpose greater than you that you can point to every day? Are you socially connected at a certain level and the level that you wish you hope to be? Are you physically active? You know, on a regular basis. Or do you feel financially secure based in your current life? And then that fifth piece, that place piece. Are you in a spot where your physical place meets your you know phys- physical and, and emotional needs? And so, place has a direct impact with that last question and the first question. You know, you mentioned, but it has an indirect effect on purpose, on social connection, on physical well-being and, and financial well-being. So for example, to pick one illustration, you know, you may have seen this, that this research was out there, it was talked about before the pandemic, but had a particular spotlight in light of the pandemic. And that is people that are chronically lonely, people that are looking for greater social connection than they have. That's a chronic condition. It has the health equivalent based on meta studies to have the impact of effectively smoking 15 cigarettes a day. So if you're in a physical place where you're separate and apart from people, such that you don't run into people on a regular basis, that will in all likelihood lower, increase your, Physical isolation, but then also likely uh, decrease your social isolation as compared to being in a more vibrant area where you know your neighbors and people are coming in and out. Even if you're an introvert, you know it's important to have this interaction with others. You know, at least to to some degree. So. This decision about where you live and then how you decide to engage where you live, you know, that here, you're here, that has like pretty profound impact. And when you look at the, the, again, the research about longevity, particularly for people in the second half of life, it's much more about your lifestyle decisions than necessarily your DNA. In fact, researchers point out that 93% of your longevity is linked to your lifestyle choices in your environment, not your genes. So it's a it's a big, big decision.
0: Yeah. I wanted to add that two points, and I hope I remember the second point. (laughs) Longevity. I had heard, I think you and others say that we should plan to maybe live to 100, that with technology, we're going to maybe last even longer. But I find that unless you have the other things going for you, all right, if you can climb a mountain, or, or I don't know that I'd want to live that long. Not that I've contemplated when I'm going to die. I actually am avoiding that question because that leads to depression that leads to more therapy bills. <laughs> um, and then the other point is the loneliness issue. I think we were surprised recently that there are so many people in that category. How can they be helped?
2: Can I just address the first piece of mm-hmm. your question? And that is, it is a very important point you raise. I do I do a blog every other week on the uh, the here.life website. It talks, it largely, of course, is focused on the intersection of place and uh, healthy longevity. I did one um, about a month ago, and it was just on this topic, and that was lifespan is great, but it doesn't do any good if it turns out it's a really low quality of life. And so, what I believe is important is that it's not just lifespan; it's what is our health span. What's that? What's that duration of time that we're in, in good health? And then also, what is our uh, what's our wealth span? What's that duration of time that we have financial resources to like live a quality of life that we're accustomed to or or, or desire? You know, f- found suitable. And so it's the intersection of both lifespan, health span, and, and wealth span. And that doesn't happen by accident, right? It, it, there's some level of planning that, ha- you know, it has to do that. There's a phrase they call, uh, certain researchers call squaring the curve, and the idea is that what many of us would like is a long life, and then when it's time for that life to end, it kind of ends before this er- there's a ro- this erosion of quality of life, and so that's basically like a square. Boom, shoots right <laughs> down. Okay. But the natural curve is much more of or natural reality is much more of a curve. Yeah. Your quality of life erodes over mm-hmm. time. And in some cases, it erodes to a point where it may not be worth living. That's that leads to some of the conversations about euthanasia and so on. So the idea is what can we do that makes that curve more like a square? And the good news about that is it goes back to the the lifestyle attributes I shared earlier for people that have this regular purpose they can point to. For those that are, you know regularly active for those that are socially connected going back to the second piece of your question like this really has an impact and so therefore where we live either can provide headwinds to that because it's more difficult for us to live that life that is higher quality of life but also extends it or it's winded our back and so your question about loneliness or your commentary is is a huge one you know it's, it's a, it was something that it was part of a lot of the dialogue I would say in some main street press before the pandemic but the pandemics put this Uh, real spotlight on it and then coupled with the mental, you know, mental health issues. Mm -hmm. And I believe that we can solve part of that problem through place. Mm -hmm. If we can be in an environment where the, you know, you're part of a neighborhood where knowing your neighbor is part of how it is not saying you have to spend every moment with your neighbors, (laughs) but even like knowing their name and knowing a little bit about them, like those are really valuable things. It's what uh, sociologists call them uh, social capital. There's like, it's not just financial capital. It's this idea that there there's real value in relationships both those that are close to us family you know friends and clo- uh, close friends and family but also you know ones that are more you know secondary and tertiary that 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 has value too in terms of our health so there's a lot to, but I'm so glad you put a spotlight on it because it's not just lifespan right. lifespan uh, health span <laughs> and well
1: span Question. in in your book right place right time you contend that aging in place is really the right strategy in the long term what do you mean by that
2: this is controversial about 90% or so people say they want to age in place
1: Wow. It's a big
2: number. Right. It's a big number. So Gene, so it's a it's an excellent point that you raise and and it's one, so about 90% of people, they say, according to ARP studies, they want to age in place. And in some wow. cases, that means they want to age in the same, most cases, it means age in the same single family community or house. In some other cases, it may mean I want to stay in the same community I'm part of, but but that's the idea. And, and so the issue with that is that people oftentimes don't think through all of the ramifications of aging in place. And particularly, you know, going back to the assessment, many of us have an emotional connection, some nostalgia to our house or home, but what might have been perfect raising our kids in a suburban house, you know, through our thirties, forties, and maybe early fifties can be the worst place in our seventies. And and so what I, what I advocate is that uh, just like the book, the title suggests it's worth the effort of just calibrating. Am I in the right place at the right time in my life? And the answer may be yeah. Answer may be actually this is this remains the perfect. Maybe make some modifications, you know, to our house or in the broader definition of aging in place. Maybe we stay in our neighborhood, but we move to a different, you know, different dwelling. But I think I think the risk that people inherently take without necessarily knowing it, some of it's related to inertia, is that that place that was a good spot no longer is. And by this steadfast desire, desire and commitment to age in place, they're pushing themselves down a path where they may be really isolated. They may not be physically active. It may not be the best financial decision for them. And it's that path, that I think happens all too common. And so in the book, I, I don't say you should do this or that at all. Uh, you, yeah. you know, it's, you choose your path, but I do present a framework with some tools. So you have, I, I nudge people to at least do the work to look, are you in the right place? And then try to encourage people to have the courage where, you know, we're necessary to like, what's that next, what might that next step place, next step look like? And I think that's where your podcast actually is a really important role because Let's say someone says, Well, I don't know, I'm curious about the villages. Well, it's nice to hear stories yeah. about people in the villages. Is it <laughs> what's their experience like? You know, as it plays out. And so I think there's there's ways people can do some research in that path where they don't necessarily have to take this, you know, big leap or do nothing. And that's why I put I do I push back pretty strongly as this aging in place as a strategy
1: that's gonna work no matter what. Yeah. The the survey, where's the best place to find it? Is it here that life?
2: Yeah. So um the the best place is here. H-E-R-E dot life, L-I-F-E slash assessment, A, you know, just as A-S-S-E-S-S-M-E-N-T. Because
0: I thought there would be like 80 questions and I didn't want to do it because, you know, you do these 80 questions like, okay so where am I and how did you get to that result? But I promise it's very short.
2: And just quick thing on that, Gil. What happened was, uh, and and Gene may be more familiar with this, given his familiarity with the book. But it was it was in the book, and what happened was I got a lot of feedback like this is really helpful, uh, you know. And they're like, okay, well then I'll make a digital version of it, and so that's what's happened, and what's. The thing about the book is you need to have the book to then get it. And this was an easy way for people without it just to, yeah. to get a quick temperature on it. Right, right.
1: But it was yeah. great. All right. So, yeah, I'm not big on aging in place. But the thing is, our son, who lives, who graduated from college two years ago and also is an engineer, but he got a job in Rhode Island. That's where he lives. He doesn't love it, but he loves some things about it. He loves New York City. He loves Brooklyn, where we live. But we we want to leave. What what can you say to, to make us feel better to say selling the house He grew up in. Yeah, Gene. Goodness,
2: that's (laughs) no. That's a great question. It's a great question. I think one of the challenges on this
1: is, uh, as I said, this
2: gets complicated, particularly emotionally, because I would say it's a bit related to the question: Do we and when do we change our kid's bedroom to a more usable room? (laughs) And I, I talk about that in the book a little bit. Um, There's a family I know of, perhaps a family I know quite well where one bedroom has been turned into an office and the other bedroom, you know, remains this shrine. Apparently, for the the kid, uh, the, these uh, this this couple loves more. Yeah, that, not you know, it's not, not a personal story at all. Uh, so, and so, there's an emotional piece there. It's like actually, there's probably other uses for that room. There's probably things you could do that room that make it more becoming as a real proper guest room. And and so that's a smaller version of the bigger question, which is yours. Which is at what point should we feel comfortable moving on from this house that has memories for us, but also our kin and and I would say that, um, it's that processing is different for for everyone, but it's important to process because you people are implicitly making a trade-off. And that trade-off at certain stages can be a really significant one. And that trade-off, by the way, can be a bigger one than it necessarily needs to be because, having conversations with your kids can help illuminate how important is it to keep that shrine? How important is it to, you know, to have to have that place? Because at some point, this is part of the uh, the process of having kids fly on their own. We've got, we have three in high school. So we were oh going God. down that path soon. So the idea <laughs> of having one graduate from college, I'm like, oh goodness, that's, and that seems to have found a job sounds quite, <laughs> interesting. but I think, I think there's some important processing and going back to our, our, our common earlier, you know, you have uh, that processing may be different for one, one part of a couple, you know, one member than the other, but if you don't do that processing, you might be kind of binding your number of options, which has implications. Yeah, And you may be setting expectations for your kids that actually don't value that much. They might say, oh, gosh, dad. Or, or to say to say it a different way, I bet more kids over time would much rather have their parents develop a, a plan that has legs to it for them to age successfully than to be in a spot where they're not dealing with this stuff at all.
0: He's actually very mature in some sense. Guys, move where you want to move and be happy. Said that, that yeah. And I only say I love this place because it's all I know. We bought this house when he was two about. And so really, he has no memory of anything before. And so all his memories are here. And when we just saw him this past week and he said, yeah, I have great memories here. And of course, Gene and I are both like, oh, you know, we feel that (laughs) we feel that weight drop again. Then I think I don't want a basement. I don't want a third floor or a second floor. My knees, um, they're starting to wear a little. New York is bitterly cold and more so, it's too chaotic for us. We've, well, Gene is still in Manhattan, so I shouldn't make him too depressed. <laughs> but being working in the city is, it's tough. It's just tough. And we associate most of that with our careers, I guess. But at some point, even when he retires, we're still going to be in the very cold area here and we don't have to be. And the other driving force, I think, is our home has more than doubled its value. Is that the inertia, right? Is that <laughs> saying, hey, you can get so... So much more for that money. And why is this our special place? You know, what drove us here, I think, is not going to be what's going to keep us here.
2: Well, so absolutely. You're at a different life stage. I'm in this process right now where I am uh, doing some, some some workshops in the Austin area. And because what's happened is this is a big question. And the book has been helpful for a number of people. In fact, the number of stories I hear of like, wow, this changed my life kind of stories. I heard one story I heard. Uh, Someone had gotten it, read it that night. Wow. And they pulled an offer from a house because it was going to be in a suburban area. And they instead, this is in Michigan, instead ended up getting a townhouse and a walkable part of Ann Arbor. Nice. Wow. Like, wow. Like, really? We haven't thought about this in the depth that we need to. This is what we want. And then boom, totally changed changed their thinking. I know for a number of people, there's some work and and that needs to go, you know, more detailed. And so I'm doing this workshop, as I said, as as a, a te- some workshops as a te- test to see, is that a way to help people on this journey? And so it's think of it as a next step, perhaps from the book and the uh, you know, online assessment tool. The, the reason I say this is that sometimes it's easy to say, particularly maybe in February in Brooklyn, to say, okay, get me out of here. <laughs> you know, in your podcast, right, you 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 raise the point, well, it's one thing to say, I need to go, but where do I go to? And so what I, I spend some time on in, in, in my approach is let's take a moment just to understand truly what are the things that work and don't work about your place today in your life stage. And because I think it's helpful for people to understand, what could we change in our current place to make it better, maybe even good enough for us to wanna stay? And at the same time, what are those lessons that we've learned from where we are now that can influence the next place that we go to? In some cases, you know, uh, Gil, to your point, it may be. Well, I want to be in a spot where I can walk out of my door and and have a pathway and get to a coffee shop. Can't do that today. <laughs> but other cases, it may be. Thinking back to some of my experiences living in the Mid Atlantic, well, is there a porch? You know, we we love gathering that. And that but it, is is there is there an equivalent there in my next place, for example? So there, it's rarely is it everything. In my current place doesn't work normally there are some things how can we port that over to our new places you know it is is important in the process so it's it's not just get me out of here. It is and actually one other thing I want to mention on this. I, it, I don't mention it in the book because I, I didn't really think of this until after I wrote the book. And, and that is, as I've talked to more people, I think there's like three groups of people in broad terms. There are, I'll describe them somewhere people where they know where they're from. They knew who they're part of, and they can't imagine leaving that general area where they are. Then you have what I describe as anywhere people where they're like, hey Hey, I can go anywhere. Let's go figure out, I mean, not not, not necessarily anywhere, but I'm open to moving. Let's figure out what those places might look like. And boom, I'm there. And then I think there's a third group, which, which are anywhere people looking for their somewhere. Ah. Like they're open to moving, but they want to go to a place that they can have deeper roots. And that and so you get somewhere, anywhere, anywhere looking for their somewhere. Now, you could have people that are, in, that are somewhere people, but then the place changes, climate change happens, you know, that you feel forced out. But, the, you know, those conditions aside, hey, you know, I, I, there's, for example, I have a friend that's from Ryan, New York. His grandfather's from Rye, New York. His dad's from Ryan, New York, he's Ryan, New York. <laughs> and, and so the, their their actual physical dwelling may change, but they're gonna be in Ryan, New York, one way or the other. And the financial <laughs> means to kind of sort that out. Mm-hmm. But I know other people that, you know, live maybe in Manhattan or Greenwich and they're they can't wait to leave. You know, but they but they the, the, it takes a lot of work for them to find out what really is the right, right place. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's something about this somewhere. I t- the blog on the on the on the here website goes into a bit, but somewhere, anywhere anywhere, looking for your somewhere?
0: We started this show with domestic locations. And then along the way, actually in our 20th episode, I think, because I was checking earlier today, we threw in an international location only because one of my former coworkers retired to Israel. So it was a perfect opportunity. And then Jean's sister has a good friend who retired to Paris. Paris. So we were like, oh, great. So we need to incorporate more international folks. And now I would say we have, Mm 50-50. And we find that the people who moved abroad kind of didn't go through quite this analysis. Because I thought about this earlier and I said, why? What prompted? What was the trigger? they moved abroad i recall because they felt that they had done all they could in their career they lived a very satisfying life and now it's time for adventure so that was kind of the trigger and some of these folks like Gene used to say they didn't really talk about family in the majority of these stories that we've aired it wasn't so much you, you wouldn't hear the word family as much <laughs> there's a few well, uh, well a Rob good Evans. number
1: a good number of didn't have kids yet. yeah
0: but one guy and we become friendly with him Rob Evans he Moved.
1: He moved from North Carolina to, to Costa, Costa Rica. Rica, and he's interesting because we said, "Oh, you have three daughters. although you missed them?" He said, "Said you know what, guys? I I have more valuable time with them when I visit them each for two weeks yeah. than I did if I lived you know, around the block from them." Yeah, he, and so, he really, I, I really, I really believe him. Yeah,
0: and and we see him on Facebook. We're friends, and he's like, "Oh, I'm in LA the next two three weeks." Yeah, and yeah. now I'm in um, I don't know Canada, Canada for the next two three weeks. But he retired at an earlier age. He retired, I think, at 58 or so. So he didn't have the ability to buy your own health insurance, which is huge, right? Medicare hasn't kicked in. And, that, and it was
1: before before Obamacare, yeah.
0: Yeah. So that's the other group. Folks who retire before 65 and still can't afford, they fall into certain categories financially. They will also go abroad. So, you know, you've got this group that are financially comfortable. So there's skiing the Alps, wherever, and that's where they're going to be until... I I think one day they'll wake up and say, oh, we can't ski anymore. Now what? We actually asked a guy who moved to, I forget where, have you thought about long-term plan? And he says, yeah, when I go, my body's going to be given to science. And I I don't know if that was Italy or uh, somewhere in
1: South America. South
0: America. So he's got this all planned out. And others say, well, I might come back to the U.S. because I've got some family there. So we were very curious as to why people moved abroad. Did they go through these kinds of steps? did they not have family and we don't really have any stats but, but, on this but i
1: but i think most of them seem to be in your category so, somewhere people or or anywhere
2: like they're open to going places
1: now the third what was the third category it was
2: it was so there's there's somewhere where they already have their place like they're not moving
1: uh, there's that's anywhere
2: not yeah. where it's like okay i'm just i'm going to find a spot and it could be a bunch of places mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then you have, and potentially bounce around mm-hmm. and then you have anywhere people looking for their somewhere where they're going to one place and then their plan is to down there. Yeah.
1: yeah, that's what I think they are.
0: Well, no, there's also the kind of group that is searching to expand their intellectual yeah. whatever, right? Yeah. And they feel that if they're not going to search the world, then they'll become stagnant at some point and warp or whatever and become
2: depressed and lonely and what have you. This is where this this word retire or retirement oh, I, hate it. It, I mean, it's, it's good in the sense that it, it's a term everyone knows. It's bad in the sense that it's a really flawed term, yeah. Because you know, you look at retire like in Webster's, and it means to like withdraw, like to yeah. disappear. Yeah. During the baseball playoffs, I forget which game it was now, but the play-by-play guy ball got hit to left field, fly ball. The outfielder caught it, and the play-by-play guys, yeah, the batter hit it to left field. It's been caught. He's been retired. Like disappears <laughs> from the from the board. And so we have this broader issue as a society, which is, and, and this is where I think many many people our pioneers, which is this is more about extra chapters in life than there used to be, not necessarily a full stop leaving what you did before and hanging out on your porch on a rocking chair for 40 years. And so this question around purpose, which is one of the five areas in the assessment is a really important question because it's one that we have to ask ourselves in every like stage in life. And so you might find I'm, you know, eager to be by the beach and play golf Golf every day. Well, maybe, maybe that works. But maybe when you go down there, playing golf every day isn't what you necessarily imagine for the next 15, 20 years as being the the life that you're looking for. On the other side, on the international piece, I think you're think you're right, Gil. Like there is a flair for an adventure, which I think is great. And in some cases, particularly right now, you know, your dollar goes farther. In a number of different places, that's not Uh, insignificant, but they're not necessarily not that you have to think about every detail. I'm not necessarily suggesting that. I'm just saying for bigger decisions, when if the, when, when the possible answer is, Oh, whoops. You want to make sure the oh whoops isn't like a really costly financial, time, and other resource Mm -hmm. decision. And so I've seen situations domestically, but it certainly would apply internationally too, where where people decide relatively quickly we're going to go make this change. They sell their house, all their possessions, (laughs) and then they go on the other side like uh not what I thought it was. (laughs) Yeah, and and even some small examples like you know here in Austin got a an acquaintance where they we live in a more suburban area but close to downtown, and they and this queen sold their house. They're they're empty nesters. They wanted to live in a more condo life downtown. So they did that, but they moved. And for the first six months, it was awesome. Like they walked to restaurants, you walked to work. But then about six months-ish, they're like, well, you know, our friends really aren't coming to see us. And we're having a hard time really making meaningful friends here and kind of like tending to a garden. You know, his wife's a bit of a green thumb. And they kind of looked at each other and eventually said, oh, whoops, so, they then sold the condo and bought back into their neighborhood. All the transaction costs, real estate appreciation gone up even in right. that year. Yeah. Like, I think adventure is awesome for sure. I mean, our family, we have a, we have a, a truism. You know, it's not a disaster, it's adventure. But that being said, I think a little bit of research and just kicking the tires before you make a wholesale change, you can still live a very adventuresome life with doing a little bit of research to make sure the path you're going down is the right one.
1: Yeah. yeah we even had, I think, two, people who moved overseas without even visiting. Yeah. Forget about living there and renting for a year. They didn't even visit the place. Yeah. <laughs> well,
0: I so, think, yeah, yeah I, I I have to say that some of these folks, well, I envy them. And it's not enough of an envy that I, that I think I'm settled in. They have made those meaningful connections. They have found their purpose. The country that they're in is so welcoming and kind that it's really opened up their eyes. Like things we hear about in Portugal, in Spain, and that would be just such a difference. You know, we're in the melting pot here, but yeah. sometimes I don't feel welcomed. And I mean, I, at the age of five and a half, grew up in Brooklyn. I moved out of Brooklyn, but not to places also that were welcoming. You know, I, I moved to Brookline, Massachusetts, yeah. but I was five minutes out of Boston. And I have to say, I, I went there for my job, but I didn't feel welcomed. And then I moved to Newark, but that was different. That was school. That was law school. I felt welcome, but I didn't want Want to be in certain places <laughs> that's because it's because it's
1: really not that's a, a melting really not a melting pot here it's a salad bowl because nobody really mixes so much I think
0: oh nice <laughs> yes come I
1: on. didn't make that up oh, okay
0: no. <laughs> so you know some of these people say we're going to start a new life but they the only time that we've heard some of these folks come back was for medical issues and not because they couldn't afford it there they just felt more comfortable being in a hospital closer to quote, unquote, home so there's something there I I have to say and, the place there's something and, there yeah
2: well and and that's why i think again this word retire is a loaded term because Mm -hmm. another way to think about it is hey i've got god willing health wise i've got multiple additional chapters in life what i want the next chapter to look like and that next chapter isn't necessarily a final chapter it's like okay this might be maybe i spent a decade in portugal and this is what this life looks like and by the way it could be longer than that but it doesn't necessarily have to be and so you're and that's part of the idea is that if it's right place, right time, we're to some degree regularly calibrating. Are we really in the right place for the life that we're looking for in that chapter? And and that's a it's kind of a nuance, but this isn't like a one-time decision. Oh, I was in Brooklyn and now I'm retired to Florida. That's it. You know, for yeah. some people that's it, but a lot of times that's not necessarily what the outcome needs to be. And particularly in a life, you know, you mentioned living longer. Researchers tell us that half the kids born in developed countries like the U.S. are, are expected to live to at least a hundred. Yeah, so this Fair. idea of a hundred year life, <laughs> and there's some more more recent work, actually even, I haven't followed it very closely, but even apparently this recent Alzheimer's drug that has gotten some press, you know, there's a sense that there's gonna be more medical advances with gene editing and pharmaceutical advances and so on that might for those that are healthy might even accelerate you know this longevity over even more so over over our lifetime. So it's, I think it's important for your listeners and part of am I'm, I'm, I'm trying to challenge people. That's part of what, because I think it matters. Yeah. If the paradigm is I, re- I I. live my life one place, I retire, and then that's it. Like, <laughs> you can do that. But I think that there are, there are a lot of benefits about thinking about life in chapters and therefore recognizing I can have this life and live there. I could do this. And it's not just either, or they can actually be sequential and your preferences and desires are going to change that. You know, one thing that I talk about in the book is that we often think about, out. Well, it's, it, you're solving for, going back, to, uh, Gil, to your uh, mechanical engineering days, you know, you're know you solving for multi-variables multi at the same time because you change and your preferences and needs, but also places change at the same time. And so you might, your preferences, needs, maybe don't, but maybe your place changes mm-hmm. or vice versa, or more likely they're both changing. So you might have a friend that moves to Portugal and it's awesome for the first decade, but it's not the right thing for the next decade. And that's okay. Yeah. You know, it's okay. But you have to think about it from a planning perspective so that you have options. Options right.
1: For that change on the other side. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's why, you know, we talked a little about how we, we finally got into international places and we had no dream of moving overseas. But since we started the podcast, we've decided we're probably going to find a hub somewhere in the U.S. and then for three or three months at a time or so, we'll be in somewhere internationally. That seems so exciting to me. You know, who knows how long we'll do it for. It just seems great to me. And it seems to be in the, along the lines of what you're saying.
2: Yeah, it, it I, is. It is. And what you can... One thing to think about that, in that, depending on what you're comfortable with, is you start to think, okay, well, what in that next home, the next place you choose, how easy is it to lock and leave? How easy, if do we think about moving to a place where it would be a desirable Airbnb location? You know, are there, you know, are there mechanisms, are there situations where some some higher end hotels are doing this, or condos are doing this, where you can separate part of the unit so that you can have two, you know, means of egress. So you could have a, like a a master bedroom that has a little bit of like a kitchen suite area. And then that then, but then has a separate means than actual other bedrooms and main kitchen and so on. So you could have a situation where you could rent all of it. You could rent part of it. Hmm. You know, if you're going to be spending a fair amount of time traveling, that's something to think about in terms of the ongoing payment of, you know, real estate insurance or insurance, real estate taxes, utilities that might allow you with a little more discretionary income to support your travels. You know, just the mm-hmm. things to think about. Although I would never do that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you Each why. Each
2: person is different. Yeah, yeah I say I, I, I start. I started with that. Each I want
0: I want a place to be our home, even if we're there half the year. I want it to be our home. I want to leave things that may be precious out. For example, yep. I'm starting to do printmaking. Right, this is another one of my. Genius. Gene's laughing. <laughs> um, no, this is going to be maybe long-term. We'll say, I want a space where my equipment won't be touched. My yes. artwork won't be touched. What have you, even accidentally. So I want to be able to, when I get off the, a flight at JFK, I have the sense of, oh, I'm home. Yes. Um, although yep. that won't be Ooh. our airport. That won't be our airport anymore. So at the same time, I, I think you're right. It's all about planning and making sure that all the things you have to factor in the potential issues. I mean, we had a guest who planned and I think he, he thought he did everything he he wanted to. So he moved. It sounded great. Everything was wonderful until he realized that when he walked around the neighborhood, people weren't as friendly. And it turned out it was a Scientology.
2: artist, Not his tribe. Not his truth.
0: He then could not afford to move elsewhere. You know, he thought he planned, but that was something that I guess in the research didn't show up. So I just want to warn people.
2: Yeah. So I I want to talk about this for a second. So there's, there's, I, again, my my book goes in things in great detail, but I have different, effectively excerpts in different blogs I've written. Mm -hmm. And there's a, a key point here, which I've gotten, you know, a lot of positive feedback on. And that is this idea of, of applying design thinking to choosing a place. Now, design thinking is kind of a fancy word for what a number of companies and even academic institutions use to innovate. And it's real simple. It's basically the scientific method applied to personal decision making in this context. So, you have, you have a hypothesis here's my idea. And then you have a prototype here's what I'm going to do about it. And then you take this thing in your head and then you go test it against the real world. And then you find out, in most cases, pretty much every case, that what you thought was true versus what's really true, there's some gap. And it's just a matter of how big that gap is. And then so the The idea is like, are there ways if my plan is to move to Richmond, Virginia, for example, but you have this hypothesis, well, without testing it in some way, which is part of this prototype, learn, you know, et cetera, you're making a big bet because- as I said earlier, when you sell your house, if that's your circumstance, lose you sell some of your possessions and you leave. You're you're more than you realize. You're crossing a bridge and then you're burning the bridge yeah. because you're not going to be able to go back and buy your house you had before. Put all your possessions back. At, no, it's it's a it's a new chapter. And so therefore, when you go do that, I encourage people to ask themselves the question: like, what happened? How big is what's the downside if I'm wrong? And what's my optionality if I'm wrong as mm-hmm. part of? that. Yeah, I think you know the couple I mentioned earlier that moved from the suburban Austin to downtown Austin, might have been good for them to do an Airbnb for a week downtown. Yeah. It would have been better for them to like not sell their house, but just rent rent their house out and then go rent a condo downtown for a year. I think it's valuable when you're a place you don't necessarily know about, go go there and and walk the neighborhoods, bike the areas. And sometimes real estate agents, you know, the incentive for them is to sell the sell you a house, yeah. not necessarily make sure it's your perfect neighborhood for a long time. So this design thinking is, is I think, a really important tool in this.
0: I agree. And Jean just corrected me. The location was Clearwater in Florida.
1: Clearwater, and, Florida. Okay. And it was Craig Lang. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and where the Scientology group wasn't as welcoming. And you're right. If he had stayed in even a hotel, maybe for two weeks or an Airbnb and walked around, he would have questioned, gee, why are these people kind of looking at me?
2: (laughs) And and, and I'm a little bit of a crazy guy, right? I mean, I think a lot about place and healthy living. So I, as I mentioned earlier in our move from the Mid-Atlantic to Mm -hmm. Texas, like we followed this framework and, and, but I'm a little crazy. So we were very specific. Ultimately, we wanted to, with our kids, school district was important, but I mean, I biked all over the place yeah. to get a feel for mm, neighborhoods good. and, mm-hmm. and are people walking around are they don't, you know, just you know, seem like they know each other. Like <laughs> there's no, I mean, I talk to people, you know, I'd say, hi, you know, I mean, it's, yeah. I'm, I'm one of those guys. <laughs> and, uh, and so, but you can't, you know, you're not, it's that information is hard to get in a website. It's hard, you know, you have to yeah. do to roll your sleeves up a little bit. And, and, and again, the argument is it's a decision that matters. And so yeah. it's worth taking your you know, rolling your sleeves up a bit.
0: Right. Right. It's, it's like looking when you're Googling and you find these fabulous um, looking places. Well, sure, that's all they're going to advertise. When you go on Instagram, you're just going to see beautiful photos of these exactly. venues. That's but amazing. when you get there, it's like, whoa! If you go around the corner. That wasn't in Instagram. You know? Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. I, I have a question I have to ask because we have a lot of single retirees who listen to this show. What would you say are the, are the major hurdles that they would have?
2: Great question. It's a great question. So this is you know part of we're talking talking about is that what's the value of planning to live your best life that's part of what this is right now and when you do that planning going back to what we just said what's the downside of not having a solid plan and and what you're referring to I would describe as is, is often referred to as solo agers People that don't have a partner, they may not have family, they may not, have, you know, a family close to them. Like this there's greater responsibility for them to navigate a course that looks for the upside course as they live longer. But perhaps even more importantly, all these themes we're talking about, I argue they're important for people in the second half of life. I argue they're important really for people throughout life's course, as I mentioned in the beginning. But they are especially true for solo majors, and, and so I would really, for that demographic, actually something I, I didn't talk to about earlier, which I think is important. It may have come up in some of your previous uh, uh, um, podcasts, but it's really important. Um, there's this thing called the U-shaped happiness curve. Are you familiar with it? Okay. Yeah. So U-shaped happiness curve is actually a global phenomenon. It's it's based on the fact when you ask people about their self-reported happiness, they're a certain level in their 20s, so oh, high level. Yeah. And then you have this precipitate. <laughs> decline, and in your like, you know, late forties, early fifties, that tends to be the nadir, your you know lowest point. There, I like to think as somebody with teenagers in the house. <laughs> and then it works its way up. So, in by the time you're really in your seventies and beyond, your self-reported well-being is is greater than it's ever been.
0: Oh my God, I and, I know I've I've heard about this, and do you really believe that? I
2: I do I do, and I there's mean I know this research native. about it, and and I mean it's I'd say probabilistically true. Um, doesn't necessarily mean that that's the pathway for every individual person, yeah. but but the reason I say that is there's also other research that suggests if you think tomorrow is going to be worse than today, then that becomes that it almost could become a, a lived reality. Yeah. Whereas if that's you crazy. see tomorrow being better in different ways, like then you yeah, that's it's a self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. But the research so this U shaped happiness is actually very important, especially as we recognize the the, the how much we're, we face ageism in our society. The reason I share this is particularly as a solo ager, like, I think it's important you your planning that these are good things to look forward to. These are good chapters that are worth embracing. And especially going back to our discussion about people aging in place, For solo agers, aging in place can be particularly pernicious because you might be even more likely to be socially isolated. You may even be more likely to not be financially equipped to handle all that manage your house is about and so on. So for solo agers, I think the assessment is particularly important. And I think that this idea of where can I have this more robust social network is a really key question. Where you know, can I find people that are like-minded with me in certain respects that we can age together? In different Are there people that I can be connected to travel with more so than maybe I do it today? Um, I, and by the way, solo aging doesn't necessarily mean that you're lonely and isolated. I don't mean that, but but there is there is a correlation with people that live alone that also you know tend to have a less robust uh, social network. So, so I think planning is really important. I would just be really mindful of of what I described. Plus, we're all going back, Gil, to your uh, uh, engineering days and, and math and so on. We're all dealing with probabilities.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, I love the the U-shape. I'm sorry for interrupting. I love the U-shape because it seems, well, as we age, it's going to move, that number is going to move a little. But it kind of, when I think about it now, when you're 45 or 50, you're at your lowest point, assuming you live to hundred now. Yes. But back in the day, it was more like 40 because I, I am past that by about five years, maybe more. <laughs> so I am looking forward and I hope it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, Ryan, because I'm going to come back to you. <laughs> you know I, I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah. You should be
1: I, very I, afraid. Just, yes. I
0: think when people initially retire, and now I'm looking at the word a little differently, actually, because I once started a blog about retirement. I didn't want to call it that. I found this word. It's a Hawaiian phrase, Pohana. And it means kind of coming to the end of the work day and then your evening begins. So Pohana is usually used when people say, oh, it's Pohana time. You know, it's time to finish work, wrap up and then go have fun. So I my blog was going to be, well, I didn't want to use the word Pohana. So I made it ipohana.com, but it didn't last very long. That made me think the word retire is a very sad phrase because we put it there, right? I mean, yes. the society has put it there. It's going to be stuck with us forever. But on the other hand, when you look at the U-curve against it, after quote-unquote the day you submit your papers, and some people can't seem to do that because they think they'll die right after. And some people have actually, sad to say, right after they retired within the first year, they passed. Yeah. yeah. But assuming that, that we don't, then the first two years, in my mind, and based on some experience, it's kind of sad. I've been anxious. I've been depressed. And I think a lot of it comes from the fact that I had a very, very busy, stressful career. And now it's like, like I have, oh my God, I used to have two to-do lists. I had one, everything for work, interview so-and-so tomorrow, speak to so-and-so, look into this. And then my personal list, do laundry, you know, I don't know, something fun maybe. But now I just have one list. It's it's kind of weird and it's taking me quite some time to get used to that. And I guess there's this big void, but I didn't quite realize that that void in the past was my job. So so if I'm looking forward to that higher point in my 80s, it makes sense because then you, you've kind of moved into your second, well, we could call it career, right? Whatever we want to call it, if that makes us happy. At the end of the day, I think the U-curve is a very useful tool. And I know it's backed by numbers. I just wanted to know what you really thought. And I'm glad
2: yeah. <laughs> you want yeah, to rely well, no,
0: on the numbers. Yeah, yeah.
2: well, I just think it's, no, it, it's, it's. you um, don't hear about it. You know, a lot of our society is pretty ageist. It suggests that the older you get, the less valuable you are. And that reinforces a lot of this stuff. And right. so, but I think, going back to the solo aging thing, I think that's why it's even more important to figure out, well, who, who's your team, you know, how, how you, and then, and then managing your downside risk. And that, that's, I would say back to the solo aging thing for just a point, just a moment. I think that questions about a plan for when your health condition may change, like how are you planning yeah, for them yeah. is, is important and and who are you relying on? And, and those, those, I think are
1: are questions that are
2: important at some level for all of us, but particularly true, I think for you know, for solo agers.
1: Yeah, yeah. I know we're running long, but I just have a couple more questions. One is related to the solo agers, and that is, what do you think about house sharing and co-housing for solo agers?
2: So one of the things that's exciting right now is you're seeing a lot of people really testing new models. Hey, we got to do this differently. And Mm -hmm. and I would say uh, part of it too is this retire word also tends to, I think, imply that you, you know, you move away to just an area just with your peers. And I think you're seeing some people challenge that how can we have intergenerational environments and so be part of the social fabric? Great question, Gene. And I and I think it's neat to see with the house sharing, for example. You know, you have uh, with with some technology now in different sites that makes it easier to let people know, you know, that you might have space in your house or or also ways to vet potential housemates. I think I it's exciting, I think, to have have this as an option. I know there's uh I think Nesterly is an example of one website that has done this. There are several others where they've they make it they, there's an effort to kind of connect people sometimes, even across generations, where got this extra room, and then it's it, it it's an opportunity for income. It's also an opportunity to you know, to make a friend and, and get exposed to different networks. So I think there's, I think there's something there. And, and I think it's, I, 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 I'm, I'm hopeful that actually that combined with the co-housing now the co-housing piece today, both, I would say um, the room sharing, which is harder to put a real number to, but certainly the co-living and co-housing is uh is a smaller number today. I, these are like earlier trends, but I think uh, on the co-housing piece, there's some different versions of this because are some I'll say co-living co-living tends to be so a very newer concept but that tends to be like apartment living where you have you may have your own space but you have different roommates for shared spaces co-housing tends to be a situation where you become an owner and you have different responsibilities the commitment can be pretty strong and that's one of the commitments for people is like are you going to go in and buy some land with other people develop it together mm-hmm. there's a lot of complexity in that and and expectations yeah. whereas this co-living environment uh if you're a renter the the commitment's not necessarily the same and that's pros and cons in that but I, I'm I'm hopeful I talk about actually a chapter in my book about these emerging models mm-hmm. and how I think you're going to see more of them uh, emerge even more models and even the ones that are emerging become more mainstream over time I would expect the the house sharing one to scale more quickly wow. because you have all of these existing bedrooms available Without having to build them, um, yeah. it's just a matter of people feeling comfortable that they that there's a good uh you know a, a good match.
0: To me, the fifty five plus communities is basically that, except you have your own little place, but you share the gym, you share the whatever. There's less room for kind of. I don't, want to, I don't want to say failure. It's it's like the Friends episode, right? Every day, there's some kind of fight going on. Oh, yeah. But we actually did a show on a very interesting community. I don't know if you've heard of it. What was it called? Shantinikatan?
1: No, it's 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 Shanti It's a 55 Pups community for, for Indian Americans in Central Florida. And this it was started by this guy, Iggy Ignatius. He was an Indian American. When he was younger, he thought, you know, he raised his family in the United States. But when he got, he thought when he got older, he would move back to India, but then he realized most of the people he knew weren't there anymore and it wasn't the same. So he thought about what can I do? So he he had this community built in central Florida. Yeah, North- they're the villages. Yeah, not far from the villages, but it's um it's geared towards Indian Americans. Of course, anybody can live there because it'd be illegal if they, if, they yeah. if, if he said they couldn't. And he provides Indian meals for them every evening, every lunch and evening. And, and
0: he, the cultural activities yeah, are yeah. all Indian
1: based. He's a real character and people seem to love it there. Yeah,
0: they sold every unit within such a short amount of time without much marketing. It's like we're just got around. It's this whole culture. Also, they felt comfortable there. They knew their kids would come visit them in Florida rather than take, you know, an 18 hour flight, what have you. And that this is kind of where their culture has led. All their families grew up in the U.S. and going back to their original thought just wasn't so feasible. So, So yeah,
2: I I, I have a friend um, that started uh, an organization called Priya Living, mm. P-R-I-Y-A Living, similar theme. Mm. It's focused, you know, for, for fair housing uh, rules, you can't make it, um, right. you know, you know the all, but it's effectively folks who are Indian that are looking for community and belonging. Oh, wow. Um, they're, they're smaller communities generally, mm-hmm. uh, mostly in California state, but similar theme. And I think there's this idea of we, we, we've kind of bounced around it, but haven't really didn't focus on this quite exclusively, and that is the sense of belonging. Where do you go to a place and not just fit in, but like belong? This is, these are my people. This is my place. And I think particularly when you're relocating from a spot that you've lived in for a long time, like that's not an easy find. It's true whether you're couples or solo agers. Again, I think maybe it's more important for solo agers in some for some regards to find your people. But what are these different niches? I uh, I know that uh, in Mark marketers talk a bit about psychographics, not necessarily your age and income, but how do you think? And and I think that's important for us even. Uh, to under, as individuals, like, well, who who are the type of people we want to be around? And how can we, uh, uh, without necessarily being too insular, you know, how can we find places where it's so it's okay, it's possible to have a new, you know, BFF, best friend forever that you meet when you're <laughs> 75. And certain places make that easier to happen than others.
1: Again, I, I have a question about, I know we're wrapping up, but I have a question about the book. Again, the book is Right Place, Right Time, The Ultimate Guide to Choosing a Home for the second half of life and the author is our guest ryan frederick and that is have you noticed it was published in 2021 have there been a lot of major changes you think since the book was published would you have would you have written anything differently uh good question so i i was writing the book before the
2: pandemic hit
1: ah. and then
2: i was like whoa <laughs> so. We gotta, yeah. There's gotta be that's gotta be incorporated here a bit. And it was interesting when I was writing it because I hadn't written a book before. As I said earlier, it's been awesome just to see the reception it's had. But when you're writing in in my uh, uh, in my office, not knowing, especially during the pandemic, hopefully this will have an impact. I don't know. I I wanted to make sure the pandemic was referenced in it. In some cases, referenced in the sense that there there will be future pandemics, maybe not to the same degree, but this is not a necessarily a one and done time where we have a risk like this. So I wrote it with this idea of a longer term horizon. There might've been a temptation to have it be all about the pandemic, but I didn't Didn't make, I don't think that was going to be valuable long-term. A few things I think that, I think generally, Gene, uh, it's been just over a year since the book came out. I, I don't think there's a ton necessarily at the moment that I would say is dated in it. There are a couple things though that I would, uh, I would do differently now. And, and I think that there's certainly the prospect of another book down the road. The book may be less focused just on the second half of life and more, hey, this is a decision that matters really throughout. Mm-hmm. But I would say one piece, I didn't talk enough about the impact of climate change. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And how that has to factor into your decision mm-hmm. in different ways. In some cases, where you really feel pushed out, in other cases, it's just something you got to evaluate. Mm-hmm. Um, it may even impact some of your decisions to buy versus rent in certain locations, uh, depending on your risk appetite and financial portfolio. Another thing we even talked about today that I didn't uh, incorporate intentionally, but I think I do it differently for a next version, which is this international th- thing's real. That's an opportunity.
1: Yeah. yeah. How should we
2: think about it? Uh, how do you get comfortable with it? Um, you know, that's another area that I, I want to talk more about, you know, in 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 a, in a future version. But generally speaking, I don't think there's too much a year in that I would say, Oh wow, you know, the world shifted <laughs> dramatically this way or another. The political scene, you know, I mentioned a bit in the book, but that also, you know, has gotten a bit more magnified. Um, oh yeah, that we need to think about. And some of these things now are reflected on on blogs in the, on, on, on here.life that people, you know, can see or subscribe to. But, and that's, you know, talk about the political scene just for a second. I mean, it's, you know, we become so polarized in certain ways, not just at the federal or state level, you know, you see that boil down to the zip code County level. yeah. yeah. And so you might, you know, I think you were mentioning earlier, Gil, you got the house looks great on Instagram, but you go in there, if it turns out it's a hostile relationship with your neighbors, <laughs> Yeah, you know, so, yeah. so there yeah. are, there are some elements there that I think we need to think about uh, in, in, a, in a deeper way maybe than, than than when I. And also the writing process, if it's something you've done or choose to do down the process, it takes you write the book about a year before it comes out. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you, know yeah. you know, that's an element of it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, but It's yeah. a great book. Yeah. But, you
0: know, I just want to touch real quick. We've had guests who have moved abroad for political reasons. Yeah. And, you know, a certain president went in and they were like, I am done with this country. Yeah. Um, so because our show isn't really political and we try not to get there. But people have brought it up because that's how strong they feel. Yes. Yeah. Enough to yeah, uproot yourself yeah. to, I mean, leave the United States of America. <laughs>
1: but, yeah, <laughs> even when we covered the villages in Florida, we got a lot of flack from that.
0: Oh, yeah. Because the couple that we interviewed, I mean, and we just lucked yeah, out. They were political. Yeah, they yeah. Were Very, very neutral. Yeah. And the stuff that they discussed publicly, people were shocked. They love it down there. They are not partying all night. As uh, some people thought they're they're not like this this crazy you know sex fiend orgy group at all i just want to get that but, out there But
1: yeah some some people even some of our friends that how, how can you even how can you cover that that it's the trump land blah, blah blah we said we just want to be fair and, yeah.
0: you know we just tell it like it is yeah. and we want people to have information i mean you know it's just a slice of yeah. america and we interview people all over we just would, to get people to yeah, think
1: we would never live there but but it's happening and pe- some people love it so yeah
2: yeah yeah, yeah there's some similar methodologies in, in, in what, how you've approached the podcast and my book, because I don't say, here's what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. Here's a way to think about it. Yeah, yeah. And, and then nudge people, uh, because it's such an important decision and just find the right path for you at these different life stages on the villages piece. Uh, yeah, it, it, it <laughs> gotten some, but you know, there's, there's over 80,000 people. I mean, uh, when you got a population that large, you're going to have. Probabilistically, you're going to have a range of different people. Yeah, and, yeah. and so things get stereotyped a certain way that, you know, may not be as much that way in real life. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, I, but I don't know, but I, I think you're doing a great service Thank by you. giving people, it may not be statistically significant. Just talk to one couple in the village, <laughs> but it gives them yeah. a better slice than they would otherwise have. And, yeah, and, yeah. and people aren't required. Wired to listen to the podcast is an right. option. If they right. want to. So, right, figure, right. You know, it's, it's a valuable uh, exercise uh, and, and tool that you're giving people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Ryan, we've covered a lot, but there's so much more that we wanted to ask. So,
2: tell us what we've missed and what you'd like to share with our audience. We did cover a lot. I mean, it is, and it is a lot. You know, it's a big decision. Yeah. Um, I think we touched a lot of the key things. I mean, I think it's a much, much about healthy longevity, is about lifestyle mm-hmm. and where you live impacts a lot of that lifestyle, purpose, social connection physical being and so on. And, and so I think that this decision is a significant one at every stage in life. And that word retire can do us a disservice Think about it in terms of chapters. What do you want your next chapter to look like? And how does place help support the vision of what you want it to look like? And, and I think that it's a big decision. It's a big decision. If you're alone, it's a big decision. If you even more so, if you've got a couple and yeah, (laughs) everywhere. Um, A few couples do, um, but take the next step, take the next step. I mean, I think that's where the assessment's helpful. Talk about it with some of your friends. The book can be helpful. As I said, I get more uh, workshops I'm I'm cooking up here. Nice. Yeah. Valuable, valuable, valuable tool for people. My hope is that in some cases, places like it's hidden in plain sight. We don't, I think, fully realize that we we focus on understandably, eat your vegetables, get (laughs) some sleep, you know, make some friends. All those are important, but I I sometimes think we overlook the role that place has in making a lot of that stuff possible. So I'm, I'm hopeful that there there there's really a movement, and that that here will be one of the players really driving that movement for for people to be uh, uh, more thoughtful about it, and, and also hopefully too that um, it inspires uh, real estate developers and community leaders and policymakers to help yeah. make better places. O- only about less than four percent of the housing stock in the US has been designed to support people with some limited mobility Challenges. Wow. That's horrible. so it's almost like we've created a society that suggests that we're never gonna get older and have stuff. <laughs> so we gotta improve that, you know, yeah. along the way too. So so yeah, I'm just you know excited to spend time with you, excited about the journey that we're collectively going through. And I'll be eager yeah. to see what choices you make. And uh, <laughs> you know, hopefully you'll use some of these ideas and and uh, it goes well. And if it doesn't, I think I'll be hearing from you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, don't Go get ahead. too excited. People keep asking us like we're gonna find some kind
1: of utopia
0: utopia but um we may just land on the east coast somewhere but we'll be traveling so maybe we'll never reveal it
1: (laughs) 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 we have to reveal it
0: (laughs) it can't not be found on the internet just you know google gosh (laughs) we want to thank you this was really fun and i think that we you've given us a lot of food for thought i mean like you said a lot of these things have been discussed they've been written about and talked about for me i kind of got focused recently and that little little assessment was another thing that we're talking about over dinner without killing each other. So.
1: (laughs) All right. Great. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye bye.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you know someone who's relocated for retirement and wishes to share their story with us, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Our email address is gg at retirethere.com. Our website is retirethere.com. And you may follow us on Twitter at retirethere underscore. Now, if you've liked our show, please subscribe and rate it in Apple Podcasts. In the meantime, be well.